You guys hear Sean? What, what time does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. Welcome to New Freedom. Welcome to Position of Neutrality. And we've been starting every group this year with prayer, and Chaplain Lee is in the house. Check. Come on and stand to your feet all over the building. All right. Father, we thank you again today. We thank you, Lord, for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. What you're about to do in the lives of these, your people, we believe that you're going to do some awesome work for they're your children. We know on today, God, as we prepare to go into step two, a reminder that there is a power greater than us. The only power that can restore us back to who we're supposed to be. And we know that power resides in us. So we thank you for what you're bringing to the table tonight. Let there be an experience throughout this room. Use your manservant like never before to speak with power and authority. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you. Let everyone say Amen. Thank you, chap. So he, he tipped you off. We're going to take a look at step two tonight. So for those of you who don't know, I'll explain to you a little bit about anyone here for the first time tonight. Never been here before? Very good. Oh, good. So thanks. Thank you for coming. Um, you may experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. And the primary reason that's liable to happen is that we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we've been doing for a number of years now. We take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances, yes? So what we're going to do tonight as we're talking about this come to believe step um, is we're going, to, we're going to talk about the author's experience of their encounter with this power. And what I'm going to attempt to do is show you how I find my experience in the book, and I'm going to encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we will share our spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for folks that happens? Yeah, so that by a show of hands, they're telling you in 12-step recovery, when we speak of a spiritual experience, we're talking about a sensory experience. You'll feel it. When you do, I'll know, and I'll call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration. Fair enough? All right, so the instructions for step two are found in a chapter called We Agnostics, chapter four. And if you're following along in your book, it's page 44 of your book. It says, in the preceding chapters, you have learned something of alcoholism. Is that true? For those of you that haven't read the preceding chapters, they talk to us a little bit about Bill's story. They talk to us about there is a solution. 
then they told us a little more about there is more about alcoholism and, and tried to get us in a general way to relate to the experience of powerlessness and unmanageability, not a theory, but an experience. Yeah? All right, and basically bringing revelation to our lived experience based on their lived experience, yeah? Okay, so it says, we hope we have made clear the distinction between the alcoholic and the non-alcoholic. For those of you that were here last week, did you get that distinction that they laid out? What is it? Exactly right. I, I, I have this peculiar reaction, maybe the manifestation of an allergy. When I put that chemical in my body, I respond differently than others. Anyone else have that issue? Okay. So it says, if when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you're probably alcoholic. Are either one of those true for you? If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Notice how they, they were pretty straightforward with that. They didn't mince words. If, if these things are true, then you may be suffering from a condition that only a spiritual experience will conquer. And if we have prejudice about that, this is the time to start confronting that prejudice. Yes? Does it make sense? They, they intentionally are speaking directly to our prejudice here. Okay? So it says, to one who feels he's an atheist or agnostic, such an experience seems impossible. Is there anyone here that is in that group or once was? Atheist or agnostic or at least feel that you are? Good. Okay. And it says, but to continue as he is means disaster. How many of you concluded that regardless of belief, whatever belief you are operating in, it's getting a little complex out here. Okay. And then it says, especially if he's an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. How many of you, having read this and having spent a little time watching others and, and reflecting on your own experience, have concluded that you may be one of these hopeless variety types? Because it's really not that important for anyone else's opinion. It's based on your lived experience. What's What's it starting to feel like? What's it starting to look like from where I can see? Yeah? All right, so then they're going to talk to us about an alternative that all of us face at some point in our recovery journey. To be doomed to an alcoholic death or to live on a spiritual basis are not always easy alternatives to face. <laughs> you guys get why Sean thinks that's humorous? Alcoholic death, happy, joyous, and free. Pick one. Do you relate to what he's saying? So they're telling us, they give us this alternative, this freedom, this recovered state, but because they're telling us the truth, that there's a spiritual component that I'm going to have to do something about, and I don't know what that looks like, it's not an easy alternative to face, because as bad as it is out here, I know it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So it says, but it isn't so difficult. About half our original fellowship were of exactly that type. So what type? 
So they either believe that God could not be proven to exist or that God did not exist. Half. What would the other half have been? Believers whose beliefs weren't helping them. Any of you ever been a believer whose beliefs weren't helping them? We sometimes forget to talk to them in recovery rooms. And in the church, we forget to talk to the atheists or agnostics. But God sent us to talk to all of you. So we're going to try and do that here. Okay. So they're telling us something about the original demographics. Regardless of what your belief system is, if you found your way to one of these rooms, it probably wasn't working as well as you'd like it to. Right? Okay. All right. So it says, at first, some of us tried to, hold, to avoid the issue, hoping against hope we were not true alcoholics. So have any of you stayed sort of abstinent for a period of time based on fear or based on whatever and decided to forego the manner of living and just not pick up no matter what? Or, I mean, it may work for some. I just, I'm asking, any of you think, well, I'm not that bad yet. I understand why some of y'all do that. That seems a bit drastic. That's what it looks like to hope against hope that I'm not a true alcoholic. Okay. Um, but after a while, we had to face the fact that we must find a spiritual basis of life or else. So that's a very personal journey. If in your recovery journey, you discover you are not living in the abundance that you wish, then you might want to consider a spiritual basis of life. Because if you're a drinker, You've been living a spiritual basis a lot. That's why they call it spirits. Yeah? All right, so perhaps it's going to be that way with you. But cheer up. Something like half of us thought we were atheists or agnostics. Our experience shows that you need not be disconcerted. We don't spend enough time talking about that declaration. It doesn't matter what I believe when I come here as long as I'm willing to believe there's a power greater than me. And I start with the addiction. Right? No one's asking you to adopt a theology. No one's asking you to come to believe in anything you haven't already experienced. What we are asking you to do is get honest. If you found your way to these rooms, then alcohol, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, Probably a power greater than you, because these aren't the kind of groups I aspire to from my youth. Yes? So then we come to believe in an illness, and then we, knowing I have an illness, I come to believe in a healer, right? So they say that we thought we were atheists or agnostics, God could not be proven to exist or God did not exist, but they had an experience that changed their mind to a person. They do not remain atheist or agnostic no matter how many times you hear that in the fellowship. They come to believe through the process because their experience changes their mind. It's not me saying it, it's them saying it. Does that make sense? So we're going to seek that experience, that encounter, and then that transformation in our talk tonight. Fair enough? Okay. So then it says, if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism, many of us would have recovered long ago. So how many of you tried changing your codes and philosophies before you tried living free of chemicals? 
change your playmates in your playgrounds. Any of you moved clear across the country to get away from playmates and playgrounds, found out you went? No? So what they said is we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried. So they've already tried this. If you've already tried this, then it's possible for us to learn from their experience. Humans can learn from the experience of other humans, although we are strangely reluctant to do so. We like our own. Don't know why. So it says, we could wish to be moral, we could wish to be philosophically comforted. In fact, we could will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. They're talking about a sense of desperation to desperately want to do something different than you're doing and being able to manifest no outward action to show that's your intent. Anyone in here know what I'm talking about? Dying in addiction, behaving dishonestly, wanting to be a better person than I was, honestly meaning when I pled with people, just believe me, one more time I won't do that again, and then within minutes, hours, days, I'm doing it again. Any of you with me? It was a first step experience, right? Did you feel it? That, that's, that's the spirit moving in you. So we're, we're in the right spot. Does that make sense? Okay. So we will these things with all our might, but the needed power wasn't there. That's an admission we need to come to. Okay. So it says our human resources as marshaled by the will were not sufficient. They failed utterly. So they're describing a process, a progressive failure. Any of you experience a progressive failure of your human resources marshaled by the will? What does that look like? I know that sounds like fancy words. How many of you said, I'll never do that, and then did that? Over and over. Okay. So then it says, lack of power. That was our dilemma. We had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. They put that in italics. I already went through, there's already a power greater than me by the time I get here. Does it make sense? So what we're really hoping for is that there's one still more powerful than the one that chased me in here. Does that make sense? And it says that it's a power by which I could live. How many of you have found out that you had a power within you that apparently wanted you dead? So this isn't a power to not do, as I've heard people falsely teach, because it takes no power to not do. This is a power to live, which at least in moments I desperately want to do, if in fact I could actually start experience what people call life. Any of you get to the point in your addiction that you're really just a dead shell of a person walking around aimlessly? So at that point, life doesn't have much value, does it? But still desperately, we sort of are hoping for some day that we'd have a different experience. Okay. So it says, where and how are we to find this power? Well, that would be the question if we relate to the experience, wouldn't it? So where and how? Don't get ahead of us. So it says... 
Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. So the main object of the book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem, the main problem. Right? I'm doing the same thing. It's a personal journey. And so, if we want to know that and they now tell us that's what the book's supposed to do, would you like to go see what they found out before we read through further. So let's go to page 55, just because it's always unwise to leave a bunch of people guessing, especially if we got a bunch of tweakers in the room. <laughs> Y'all get edgy. Um, so page, page 55 says, actually we were fooling ourselves for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. Oh, that, so you all that haven't been here before, when I say God, you say, I forgot to give a shout out to the people in the Department of Corrections. You guys got any words of praise for the people in ADCRR? How about the people at County Jail? Maricopa County Jail's been sending us a whole bunch of postcards lately, so we know they're hearing y'all. Um, so, the fundamental idea of God is found where? Deep down inside. I've heard people tell people that if you have a problem with that, why just create your own idea? That's not what they said. They said the fundamental idea of God, which has nothing to do with who God is and everything to do with who, who I am. So God's ideal for me is found within me. Does that make sense? They're telling me, based on their experience, God's idea for them was found within them. Does that make sense? So that it isn't your idea of God. We don't want the created creating the creator. What we want you to do is acknowledge that you were created and then go find out by whom. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, it may be obscured by calamity, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it's there. They're not theorizing, this is fact from their experience. Remember, half of them thought they were atheists or agnostics, but as they were pointed in the right direction, where and how, and then went through the process to reveal that power to them through them, they found out what their power and purpose was and where it came from. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, for faith in a power greater than ourselves and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. So what you want to know is if you've ever had a friend, anyone in here had a friend? How'd that friend make you feel? Sometimes your friend could make you feel all kinds of different ways or seemingly, right? So no, we're not telling you that God is a feeling. What we're telling you is your awareness of the feeling is the power we call God. Does that make sense? The fact that you were aware that you were aware means you're conscious of the presence of the power within you. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you've ever had a feeling for a friend, you know enough about God to get started. Those of you, that's kind of good to know, right? 
Okay? So it says sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. So they've told me where and they've told me how. Where am I going looking? Deep down inside. And how am I going to look? Sometimes I'm going to have to search fearlessly. So it's starting to make sense why in the process, after I've had this encounter, I'm going to be empowered in a decision, the first step of which is a searching and fearless moral inventory of me. Does that make sense? Because the process should make sense. I'm trying to find power by which I should, could live. I've been looking out in the world all my life, and I've just been finding creative ways to kill me. I've been looking in the wrong place. And now what they're saying is regardless of your belief, look within fearlessly, and then get properly armed with the facts about yourself and go out and bear witness. Fair enough? Okay. So then it says says he was as much a fact as we were. That's pretty bold for an atheist or agnostic to say. The power I did not believe in is as much a fact as I am. Just on the other side of the experience. You understand now why somebody felt that. Who felt that? Yeah. That's the power we call God around here. We start having revelation. Okay. So as much as fact as we were, we found the great reality deep down within us. In the last analysis, it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us. So to a person, first 100, their experience with the first several thousand, they found the power deep down within themselves. It was obscured. That awareness was obscured by calamity, pomp, and worship, which I'm going to identify in my fourth step. I'm going to share with another in my fifth step. I'm going to ask God to remove it, six and seven, and I'm going to start prosecuting my amends. And as my ego diminishes and my spirit gets empowered, then I'll be ready to walk out in the world as an instrument of this power and heal others the same way I was healed. Does that make sense? Okay. So I want to jump from there back to where we started. And... I was at 45. Well, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So whatever the problem is, remember this is a manner of living. I think my problem is drugs and alcohol until drugs and alcohol aren't there. And then at some point I realized drugs and alcohol were a symptom of my underlying problem. And I'm going to have that underlying problem at all times, which is why they say in the last analysis it's only there... My manner of living is always going to require that I take captive every thought and start moving in purpose, yes? Okay. So it says, that means that we've written a book which we believe to be spiritual as well as moral. And it means, of course, that we're going to talk about God. Jump the gun. Let's try it again. We're going to talk about God. Yeah, they need to hear you in Kingman. So it says here... Here, difficulty arises with agnostics. So we're acknowledging right away, no matter what you say, and no matter what I'm feeling, I'll still, I've got a forgetter. Yeah? So, so it says, many times we talk to a new man and watch his hope rise as we discuss his alcoholic problems and explain our fellowship. But his face falls when we speak of spiritual matters, especially when we mention God. For we've reopened a subject which our man thought he had neatly evaded or entirely ignored. So, 
They were pretty careful back in the day to discuss the difference between fellowship and program. We're less careful today. We say things like, I'm in the program, meaning I go to meetings. And, and it's deceptive. I know no one means to say that, but you're not in the program unless you're in this book, because this is where the manner of living is discussed. And you're in the fellowship when you go to share your experience of the power with your fellows. But anyone can come sit in our fellowships, regardless of what their belief system is. They got every right to sit there. They may not even have the condition you have. So we have no expectation of them to understand, but we don't want to mislead someone like me who's going to die in these rooms trying to hang on to a chair. Any of you have trouble sticking? I don't live well abstinent. Anyone else? I've discovered through this process that I don't have to live well abstinent. If I'll do enough work with others, I'll, I'll experience a condition I like to call spiritual inebriation. Yes? All right, so, so we know how he feels. We've shared his honest doubt and prejudice. So for those of you who are new to the process, your only obligation to yourself, if you want to get well, is to share your honest doubt and prejudice. Does that make sense? Because if you will speak to anyone empowered by this power of your honest doubt and prejudice, you will receive a demonstration of the power. I promise you it's so. Okay. So some of us have been violently anti-religious. Any of you have been in that group? So I like to talk to the ones that have been violently anti-religious because I'm not talking to you about a religion anyway. I'm talking to you about a relationship with a power that animates you. And you know why I know the power animates me? Because the power lives within me and I still think like me, but I act more like him. Which is a good thing for all of society. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Any of you get a little jaundiced about this power because of some religious folks you met that were a little less loving than you thought they ought to be? Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. How many of you just had certain, certain doctrines bothered you about whatever religious experience you had and so you just rejected it all together because whatever dogma they were hitting you with just wasn't resonating. Okay. So with that rejection, we imagine we had abandoned the God idea entirely. So they're talking about how I'll throw the whole thing out rather than do my own explanation. I won't even check to see if you're misinformed. I wouldn't take your word for anything else, but you, you confirm my prejudice, we're good. Right? Anyone else like me? Okay, okay. So, so we were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. Any of you been troubled with that thought? Because most of us have, and we, we don't really want to say that necessarily. But what I like to call to people's attention is by the time I get to recovery rooms, I have been demonstrating an obvious dependence on a power greater than me that is evident to everyone apparently except me. And I wasn't terribly bothered with that thought because the solution to having that thought was more. And the beauty of 
confronting my prejudice and realizing that this power greater was going to do the same thing for me that the heroin, the alcohol, the cocaine did in that once I take the first hit, that power takes every hit thereafter. Does that make sense? Once I get encountered with power, that's all I got to do, and then the power seeking seemingly comes from within me. Does that make sense? So I know it's resonating with a lot of you because I feel you. You're like, oh, that's what happened to me. I turned into this weird person I always made fun of. So I said, we looked upon this world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. So all they're talking about is their prejudice about the world when they would hear lectures about superhuman powers. We looked askance at many individuals who claim to be godly, and now we have some, <laughs> that was good, some questions. When they ask a question in this book, they want you to go inward, right? Eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So you're going to have to start learning to take captive the thoughts. We're going to ask some questions. You need to ask that question personally. That's how you read this book. Does that make sense? So it says, how could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? Have you ever had such a question? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? You ever thought about that? Did it bother you when somebody seemed to know things that you realized that couldn't really be known? Right? They talk to us about that later. They're going to say, none of us can fully comprehend this power. Right? But we're going to start with just wherever we are. Right? So who could comprehend? To Sean's point, maybe the, some, the supreme being can comprehend the supreme being, and maybe the supreme being is smart enough not to try. You never know. Why, why are we trying to comprehend the incomprehensible? Um, so then it says, yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? So they're talking about something awe-inspiring in nature. And the reason I want you to pay attention to what the authors are trying to get you to see is I'm spending all this time trying to comprehend that which cannot be comprehended, and I'm blind to the experiences of grace I've had throughout my life. And so they're saying, since you can't comprehend this power, learn to experience this power. And that experience can be improved upon to you, through you, exponentially, if you'll offer it to others. Does that make sense? Okay. So, so then it goes on to say, yet in other moments we found her, oh, I'm sorry, who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. So it's important that you get what they're talking about. They're talking about these experiences of divine power. How many of you have, at some point in your life, been in a dangerous situation? Come on, in this room, I should see, I should see a lot more hands. At the moment of peril, did you notice that time seemed to slow down? Any of you had that experience? Car wreck, fight, 
whatever, time seemed to slow down, you were like acutely aware of everything around you. When that happened, you experienced your consciousness. It's one of the names of this power we're talking about, isn't it? That I'm improving upon. How about my athletes? Where's my athletes in the room? You ever make the perfect play, the perfect dive, the perfect throw, perfect shot, whatever it was? Do you notice at the moment you were doing it, there was really no thought or effort on your part? You, you knew you were going to make that play. Even no matter how important or impossible it was, you knew. You saw yourself making it before you made it. Any of you relate to what I'm talking about? That doesn't mean you didn't practice beforehand, but the point is, you knew what you were doing when you went for it. You saw yourself making this. Yes? When that happened, you experienced your intuitive self. Does that make sense? Another one of those names for So we all have had some experience of that. Because this is important that you can acknowledge for yourself. Don't let me talk you into it. Acknowledge for yourself that you have had said encounter. If you have, when you acknowledge it, you have now had your encounter with the power that's going to restore you. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, yes, we have agnostic temperament have had these thoughts and experiences. You see why I went to so much trouble to see if those of you who wanted to had? Because we need to, if we want to align with their experience, then we have to acknowledge that experience. Yes? So if we had agnostic or atheist tendencies, but we acknowledge that experience, now we're ready to go. Now we're empowered. Okay. So let us make haste to reassure you, we found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, did we help you to lay aside prejudice when we focused you inward on an experience rather than talk to you about a doctrine? Makes sense, doesn't it? Okay. And even ex express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves. So are we now willing to believe in a power greater than ourselves based on the demonstration that we can acknowledge we have had? Does it make sense? Okay, we commenced to get results even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend that power, which is God. So it's not me making it up. This is their witness 80 years ago telling you that half of them were atheists or agnostics, but they had this encounter with this power. Someone called their attention to it. You know how come we can call your attention to it? Because when you do it, that signature of the Spirit comes back to me. That's why I know some of you are having that experience. It's not mysterious. There's only one who has all power. That one is? And so when you have that revelation, I know. Why do you think your sponsor always knows what's up with you before you can even enunciate it? Because we get revelation in the spirit. Do we not? Who's my people working with people? I'm often crying tears before they know they're feeling emotion. Why? Because the Spirit carries the burden for them while they're moving. Who's feeling that? Okay. All right. So, it says, much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Why not? God's not a conception, and none of us can fully define or comprehend that power. Does that make sense? So don't worry about another's conception. Can you be honest about your experience? If you can be honest about your experience, then things are going to be okay. 
And if you can't be honest about your experience, well, welcome to addiction. That is the picture of not being honest in my experience. Any of you convinced yourself you were behaving exactly as you wanted to? Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient to make the approach and effect a contact with him. So my ideas are not going to get in the way as long as I'm willing to make the approach. And that's why they told me where and how. Because I've been looking for power greater than me all my life. A better job, a better relationship, a better drug. And that didn't fix it. Okay. So as soon as we admitted the possible existence of a creative intelligence a spirit of the universe underlying the totality of things, we began to be possessed of a new sense of power and direction, provided we took other simple steps. So a new sense of power and direction provided promise and condition based on their experience. So what do you imagine those simple steps are? Yeah, I mean, they've enumerated 12 steps, and we're in two. So it would sort of... Makes sense that maybe I'd do 3 through 12 and then wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah? Okay. All right. So, so we found that God does not make too hard terms with those who seek him. To us, the realm of the spirit is broad, roomy, all-inclusive, never exclusive or forbidding to those who earnestly seek. It's open, we believe, to all men. So they, they didn't get gender specific here. All the family of man is eligible for this experience of grace in their belief. Their belief was formed based on an experience. So it's oftentimes when we can't introduce somebody else to this power, it's our unbelief, not theirs, that's in the way, which is why I might want to work harder on the process and get more discipline. Does that make sense? Just as an obligation to my fellow man to just be a better servant for this power that's redeemed me. All right, so then it says, when therefore we speak to you of God. Oh, that was weak. When therefore we speak to you of God. We mean your own conception of God. Whatever your conception is, is enough to get started. Does that make sense, what they're trying to tell you, based on their experience? So this applies, too, to other spiritual expressions which you find in this book. Do not let any prejudice you may have against Spiritual terms deter you from honestly asking yourself what they mean to you. Don't take other people's word for what this book says or any other book says. Question your own thinking and ask yourself, what's this mean to me? And if it's not satisfactory what it means to you, then get a dictionary and look up a meaning of the word that doesn't trouble you. You don't want to change the word, you want to change your mind. Because they agreed on every word. And it's their testimony, not mine. I'm trying to align mine to theirs. Does that make sense? But that doesn't mean I'm going to agree with every word. Words evolve in meaning. Words can have many different meanings. If I just assign a meaning that blocks me from moving forward, they're saying, don't do that. Don't let someone else read my book for me because I don't want them to have the power to think for me. Find out what's up with me and my thinking because my thoughts have limited me from becoming a better me for most of my life. Okay. So then it says, at the start, this was all we needed to commence a spiritual growth to affect our first conscious relation 
with God as we understood him. Over the years, people have talked about a God of my understanding. That's not what they said. They told you clearly before they said this and many times over that the God they understood could not be fully understood or comprehended, only experienced. So they were able to move forward because of the experience of power that allowed them to confront prejudice and dig deeper within. Does that make sense? Okay, and I say that more for my religious folks who tell me lean, Scripture says lean not on my own understanding. And that's absolutely right because for the very same reason, none of us can fully define or comprehend that power which is God. But since that power goes with me, I don't need to worry about my own understanding because I'm walking in his light. And I've got the mind of Christ to the extent I stay awake. Okay, so, so then it says, afterward we found ourselves accepting many things which then seemed entirely out of reach. How many of you started to have that experience? Come on, we're in a, a re-entry center for people coming back from incarceration. Some of us a long, long time. How many of you thought two, three years ago you were going to come to a facility like this and sleep in queen beds and eat till you're chubby? Well, thank him. I didn't imagine it either until it was given to me to imagine. People here tonight know me, but I couldn't afford a parking pass. Um, anyway, that was growth, but if we wished to grow, we had to begin somewhere. So we used our own conception, however limited it was. So it doesn't matter what you believe, what's important is what God believes about you. But what we need you to get to is at least believe that God believes for you that you are what he says you are. Right? You'll have to walk it out. You may not believe it. On certain days, I don't believe what he says about me. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I believe. i got to keep walking it out. Does that make sense? All right. So we needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? So that's your question if you're having trouble with this. Remember the power is found within. It's not your idea. It's his. And you want to look yourself in a mirror and you just all by yourself, do I now believe or am I even willing to believe there's a power greater than me? And you should get a signature of the Spirit if you are at least willing to believe there's a power greater than you. And the bad news is for those of you who are completely denouncing that, if you're not willing to believe at this stage of your development that at least cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, alcohol is a power greater than you, you're wasting valuable high time. I try to be mean. It's like we don't come here because we're having such a great fucking time. So I got to admit I'm whipped. And if I can do that, I can be restored. But until I do, ain't happening. Okay, so as soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he's on his way. How could they be so emphatic in their assurance? 
because they had the experience and they're, they're still telling the story 80 years later after they've passed from this world. With power, they're telling this story. Does that make sense? It's been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. What simple cornerstone? That willingness to believe. Yes? Okay. So that was great news to us, for we'd assume we could not make use of spiritual principles unless we accepted many things on faith which seemed difficult to believe. So how many of you have had that problem? Just the prejudice about dogma you've heard or teachings and... I just don't believe I have to believe that in order to... Well, you're absolutely right. You don't. What you do have to be willing to do is move through a process of revealing the power to you through you, and in the process of becoming a healer for the healer, you may receive the healing you need to come to believe what you need to believe to live an abundant life. Does that make sense? Okay. So when people presented us with spiritual approaches, how frequently did we all say, I wish I had what that man has. I'm sure it would work if I could only believe as he believes. But I cannot accept as surely true the many articles of faith which are so plain to him. So how many of you have had sort of those types of thoughts? So it's easy for you, but I don't believe like you. I don't have the faith you have. I've had people say that to me. The only way you know of my faith is the degree to which I demonstrate it. And if you can see me demonstrate it and you know my history, then you know enough to do a little demonstrating too. So what I'm trying to say to you is if you're in the sound of my words and you're saying, I wish I had what that man has, you already do. You wouldn't recognize it if you didn't. My job here isn't to give you power, it's to awaken you to the power within you. Does that make sense? Okay, so it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level, which is why we went back to the experience. Learn at a simpler level, yes? Okay, so besides the seeming inability to accept much on faith, we soon found ourselves handicapped or we often found ourselves handicapped by obstinacy, sensitiveness, and unreasoning prejudice. Has that happened? I just don't wanna, or sensitivity. Any of you ever experienced a sensitivity that kept you from just, what will they think of me if I say this? So I'm sensitive to the opinion of others. But that sensitivity is killing me, right? which is why I'd want to improve consciousness so that the power within me is more powerful than my sensitivities. Does that make sense? Okay. And then unreasoning prejudice is I just, the hell with it. In spite of the evidence of the wreck that my life has become, I'm not going to believe what you believe, even though your life is not a wreck. <laughs> Any of you ever had that? Okay. All right. So... Many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism. This sort of thinking had to be abandoned. So the process of abandoning thinking that's limiting me is keep moving through the process, guys. We don't tell them that. You may not have your profound second step experience until you're in your 12th step action and you're taking someone else through their encounter. 
So you're going to have to keep going even though you're doubting. Think about it. Why would faith be such an important commodity if doubt wasn't an expectation? So this sort of thinking had to be abandoned. Though some of us resisted, we found no great difficulty in casting aside such feelings. Faced with alcoholic destruction, we soon became as open-minded on spiritual matters as we'd tried to be on other questions. In this respect, alcohol was a great persuader. It finally beat us into a state of reasonableness. Sometimes this was a tedious process. How many of you have found your active addiction to be a tedious process? It's kind of an understatement, isn't it? And that's why we need to grow spiritually so we can allow people to have their tedious experience and continue to love on them and tell them what we see them as, not as how we see them. Am I making sense to you? I remember my son, before he went back for his last stretch, he was strung out on heroin again. I knew it was not going to turn out good. But he called me to come see him. So I went and saw him, and he was laying in the bed like we do, shaking, sweating, covered in filth. And I just laid down with him and put my arms around him and, and explained to him, son, you, you are not a junkie, and you're not a convict. You're a child of the living God. And I'll stay with you, and I'll pray with you until you know it and show it. And in another couple of years, he got two degrees while in prison. And he's now out, and he's raising four kids. So guess what? God was right about who he was. God's right about who you are. Just want you to know that you're all God's kids. He prepared a place for you. And we're going to stay with you and pray with you till you know it and show it. Fair enough? Okay. All right. So the reader may still ask why he should believe in a power greater than himself. Anybody still there? Yeah, all that shit you say makes sense, but why should I believe? All right. Fair enough. We think there are good reasons. Let's have a look at some of them. Um, I'm going to jump down one more paragraph. It says, everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence but no perfect visual proof, and does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It's being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all. Fair enough? Swirling massive electrons. Yeah, they're going to talk to us about things we see every day and what we know them to be versus what we see. The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. So when you see a wall, you know it's a wall, but you also know it's a swirling mass of electrons whirling around at incredible speed. Do you know that you, the human form, is... Also, that swirling mass of electrons. Do you see the swirling mass of electrons, or do you see yourself as separate entities apart from one another? Pardon? The point I'm getting to is the reason we can all feel each other is because we're all one. And that's what we're trying to improve consciousness of because the opposite of addiction 
is not abstinence, it's connection. Once you know you're a part of something greater than you, you'll live in purpose. Does that make sense? But it's not a theory, it's a, it's a provable fact based on our experience. Okay, so, so it says, um, underneath the material world and life as we now see it, there's an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. Right there, our perverse streak comes out to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Needs no power to explain it. Does that make any sense in the world we live in that this world exists with no power? Makes no sense whatsoever. That's why we've got to be careful. Power and the word God are interchangeable because that's the experience we come to know. Yes? Okay. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. Instead of regarding ourselves as intelligent agents, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation, we agnostics and atheists chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all, rather vain of us, wasn't it? So they ask us a question, and I can't just bro by that. I've got to see why they think it's vain. So they, they said, I've got this alternative. I can regard myself as an intelligent agent. Why are they asking me to grow in conscious relation with this power? Because I'm going to need to come to this power consciously. I'm going to have to use my intellect. That's why the process has to make sense in order to grow. Can't be tricked into this. We must worship in spirit and in truth, for those of you who know. So it's going to be logical why I come to believe, isn't it? Based on an experience I've had and based on a confirmation with others. So as an intelligent agent, spearheads of God's ever-advancing creation. That just means the driving force. The spearhead is the driving force of that instrument, that instrument we call God on earth. I am the hands and feet of God as I move into it if I walk consciously. Does that make sense? And when I say I am, I mean we are. Okay? And then it says that we chose to believe that our human intelligence was the last word, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and end of all, rather vain of us, wasn't it? So I rejected that choice because I thought I was all of that. So let's question my thinking. How many of you were born of parents? How many of you consulted said parents and gave permission for you to be conceived? Any of you get consulted sometime after conception while in the womb? <laughs> so regardless of your particular theology, you know nothing of the alpha, the beginning. Yes? So let's question the other end, the omega. How many of you engaged in behaviors that you saw other people die engaging in? How many of you sometimes question why, I, why not me? How many of you wished for it to be you? Yet you're still here. Apparently not, don't know much about the end either. Don't know the beginning, don't know the end. How many of you have got a, a decade or two in the middle that's a little vague? 
So if you don't know the beginning and you don't know the end and there's a wide swath of the middle you don't recall, it would be rather vain of me to think I'm all that. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, we who have traveled this dubious path beg you to lay aside prejudice even against organized religion. We've learned that whatever the human frailties of the various faiths may be, those faiths have given purpose and direction to millions. So if, if religion's not your thing and you find yourself in a recovery fellowship, I suggest get into our manner of living because at least in that, you'll have the discovery that the religious folks have had that are actually walking out their faith. Does that make sense? So people of faith have a logical idea of what life is all about. However, actually, we used to have no reasonable conception whatever. We used to amuse ourselves by cynically dissecting spiritual beliefs and practices when we might have observed that many spiritually-minded persons of all races, colors, and creeds were demonstrating a degree of stability, happiness, and usefulness which we should have sought ourselves. So instead, we looked at the human defects of these people and sometimes used their shortcomings as a basis of wholesale condemnation. Any of you do that? Most of us have done it in recovery. We've done it in churches. We've done it in all kinds of groups. Yeah. Any of you ever quit a job when you really needed a job? We talked of intolerance while we were intolerant ourselves. We missed the reality and the beauty of the forest because we were diverted by the ugliness of some of its trees. We never gave the spiritual side of life a fair hearing. In our personal stories, you'll find a wide variation in the way each teller approaches and conceives of the power which is greater than himself. Whether we agree with a particular approach or conception seems to make little difference. Experience has taught us that these are matters about which, for our purpose, we need not be worried. They are a question for each individual to settle for himself. So all we're telling you is, just be honest about your own experience. Share your honest doubt and prejudice, and in the meantime, serve. Because it is in the serving that you'll get the receiving. And I don't mean just set up chairs at the party. I'm talking intensive work, one alcoholic with another, and start helping people heal because in that effort, you'll receive your healing. Okay, so on one proposition, however, these men and women are strikingly agreed. So first 100, their description of the first several thousand, that's what the book is about, and all of them are strikingly agreed according to what they're saying. It would be interesting to see what we're strikingly agreed on. Every one of them has gained access to and believes in Remember what I told you earlier that it, what, you don't remain atheist or agnostic. It's not a God of your understanding. I've gained access to power and I believe in it because I've gained access to it. Not because you told me to, because he walks and talks in and through me. Does that make sense? So then it says this power has in each case accomplished the miraculous. The humanly impossible. As a celebrated American statesman put it, let's look at the record. So now we're going to go back through the original bunch about whom the book was written, and then we'll conclude because all of us have had our encounter. So we're just going to review what they said. Fair enough? So it says, here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed. So these are intelligent people. They were doctors. They were lawyers. They were business leaders. 
All of them had had varying beliefs. Thousands, that's what the book is about. The story of how many thousands of men and women have recovered from alcoholism. Okay? They flatly declare that since they've come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude toward that power, and to do certain simple things, there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. Now think about what they're saying. When I get up to give a testimony in a fellowship group, it says I'm supposed to flatly declare. I was a dead man walking. I didn't stop unless you locked me up, chained me up, or I was comatose. I did not stop. And then pow! I encountered power that never happened again. Never happened again. Flatly declare, had nothing to do with me. I'm not a quitter. In the face of the collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. They're talking about a flow of power into them. No more abstinence, spiritual inebriation. It says this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. What do you imagine they are? Just keep doing the steps. Thank you very much. I knew the red shirt. Yes, the red shirt.